You're listening to the Communicate with Confidence podcast with me, your host, Luke Maxwell. This podcast is dedicated to help you build confidence, increase your communication skills, and join with me in the relentless pursuit of what you want most in life. In this episode, we have someone who has an extensive background in sales and marketing and having worked over 30 different businesses in 31 countries with uh, 30 different businesses in 31 countries on four continents as a motivational speaker, consultant, and trainer. He's worked with everything from a Fortune 500 companies to small businesses, and he's currently the president of Strategic Business Communications, Inc., Jim Hernandez. Jim, I should say Jim Jamie Hernandez. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I've been waiting so long to have you on here. <laughs> Well, thank you, Luke. And the, the Jamie's actually Jaime because I oh hi. my my thirty that's you're right. My thirty plus countries include uh, lots of Latin America. In fact, all the, I've done every Spanish speaking country but three. I was introduced to you as Jaime, and I've known you as Jaime for a while, not yeah. as Jim. That's how I. That's why I first think about you. You're in my phone as Jaime, and for some reason, I just wanted. It's not even written down. I don't even have it written down here. I just I just I said that. <laughs> So, yeah, but I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a while um, because we've started uh, recently working together in some capacity. And we I do want to get into that as we go through this. Sure. But first of all, you have a fascinating story. Um, you have done a lot in your lifetime. You've had a lot of experiences and there's just so much to do. I've been trying to figure out how do I get this all within an hour long you know, interview or 45 minutes to an hour. And so I, one thing I really want to point out first, the reason, another reason why I wanted to have you on is that I, when I see you talk to other people, it makes me look forward to having casual stories I can just bring up and have it influence someone and have it relating to, to the, to what you're talking about. For example, right. um, you have, when you do this training, you have a story about Michael Phelps and I've seen you pull it up in other situations as well, in different stories you have I go, I know that story from this context and you use it in completely different contexts and it worked. I'm like, I can't wait to just have that casual knowledge banked. Um, so that makes me look forward to being more experienced and I thank you for that. But I want to go back um, because a lot of people will look at, especially young people who listen to this podcast, will look at you right now and go, well, that's nice. You have all that. I want to have all that, but I'm here right now. Maybe I'm at college or I'm at my first job. And I want to go back to where like your first job or your really first like thing that you did. I want you to kind of take us back to that moment. What was going through your mind? What did you learn from that job? And where did you, did you have an idea about where you wanted to go from that moment? So my, my very first job that I went out and got was I was 15 and I, I was a student athlete, loved sports. And so in the city of Victoria, British Columbia, there was basically one big sporting goods store, as they okay. called them back then. And I wanted to work there. And I got some advice from my, my uh, Uncle Richard. And he had gotten a job before by going to the same place every day up in northern Canada. And he says, you want to get a job at a certain place? This is one way to do it. And so I went and applied as a 15-year-old. And I'm sure the manager the first time looked at me and gave me the application. I thought she'd never hear from me and she'd be grateful not to. Yep. As a family event, different than going to the mall, we'd go downtown every Saturday. I'd dress up a little nicer. I'd walk into the store and ask her if she had a job for me yet. And after about six weeks of that, she asked me to leave. This was by the end of August, end of the summer. And mm -hmm. she told me to leave her alone. And that she would have hours for me in, in late September, October to give her a call. And I had a job and uh, it was basically about taking good advice from somebody that had, had it made it work. That's where I wanted to work. I love sports. 
And the irony was, was that I, I spent most of my time working in the department that I'm now passionate about, but I had never done before. And that was the ski department. Interesting. Okay. So that's and how so, it started. That started a, a little bit of a fire, huh? I'm like, oh, yeah, I like this. And it was, it was fun because I worked with lots of people who spent a lot of money on ski gear. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand. And, uh, <laughs> but um, I was mostly clothing, you know, and, and back in the late 1970s, people would spend $800 on a jacket and a pair of pants. And uh, that's a lot more expensive. That's like spending several thousands of dollars today. Yeah. And I was, you know, 15 years old, figuring out how to make that uh, all work and having fun doing it. I remember I got 1%, I got $3 an hour and 1% commission. I sold about $1,000. Wow. I, know what I, get. I, I sold about 100 bucks an hour. Yeah. That was more than that. I made about a buck an hour anyways, whatever it worked out to wow. on, uh, in commission. $3. And that's something, I just want to take a pause there because I think you said something that I have personally been thinking about for the last three weeks is you have the job, you got it. And first of all, persistence i mean that's one thing i can definitely that's a word i definitely associate with you is persistence um and dedication to doing getting something done um and you know six weeks of going in and do you have a job for me and then finally it's like come back in two months and we'll have a job for you and then coming back in two months and that was the place i wanted to work yeah and you knew (laughs) it and that's the great thing is knowing you want something and then and then just going okay well i'll keep trying to get it until every single door f- slams on my face then I'll make a new door <laughs> plus you know you, you mentioned something at the beginning Luke that uh, people want to get to where I've gotten and you have to start from somewhere and I come from immigrant family I needed to work to buy my extra stuff go to school dances take a girl out go out with my friends uh, buy a pair of you know fancy running shoes and so you know I, I, I saved that three dollars an hour to, uh, to to afford the things that I wanted to be able to do um, we didn't we weren't poor by any stretch of the means, but you know, things were always careful and tight at home. And um, so any of those extras I had to figure out myself. Yep. And you did. And I want it. So you, you got, you got the job. That's the first thing, but a lot of people focus on getting the job and I, and especially some of my friends who've tried to get, you know, just, you know, jobs at fast food or restaurant, you know, like just, you know, normal, like young people jobs, um, is that a lot of them, they'll talk about the getting the job, they'll talk about the struggle of getting the job, but I never hear anything about keeping the job. And that's one thing you said, is that, um, especially since you felt, you know, kind of in love with skiing, you started that, um, but having a good time with it, is that I was just somewhere the other day, and the person looked so miserable working there, I was like, now I don't feel like I'm having a good time anymore. Well, you know, it's a coin phrase that, you know, attitude determines altitude. And yeah. the, the big thing there that I learned from my parents was work hard wherever you get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that came from, you know, long before I ever had my first job. And so given that first opportunity, I want to make an impression. How they measured my success was based on my sales. And I think they were off, often quite surprised that, you know, the youngest guy on the floor was doing okay. <laughs> because, you know, selling stuff that you weren't familiar with, I was more into things that were in the, in the other areas of the store, but the big... Right. The big money maker in the fall was ski. Mm-hmm. And so I figured out a way to help people. People walked in the door. I attended to them right away. Just the common sense stuff that my manager probably told me to do. And uh, that was the beginning of my, my career in sales and getting some training. And I just made sure that the cashier always knew that I had sold a certain item so that it would be added to my tally. And nice. um, people told me, you know, people told me in other jobs that, you know, how you walk, always looking for something to do. If it was mm-hmm. quiet, fill the shelves, keep things yep. organized. Yeah. All those little things don't stand around. And I think one of the dangers today is that um, we have other things to do, specifically the phone. 
and that it sits in their back pocket. And I, I mm -hmm. walk into retail stores now thinking back in my oh, yeah. days going, if my manager had seen me do anything with my phone at the time, if it didn't if exist, <laughs> um, that would have been bad. You know, having a friend come by and saying hello was a problem. Uh, wow. So let alone being on your phone, answering Instagram or Facebook, what are the case? Oh, be? yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll walk in malls. I mean, I, I like malls. It's a little tidbit about me for all y'all. I, I love walking through malls. It's a weird thing. I'm a huge introvert, but I love walking through malls alone. Um, right. And one thing that astounds me is amount of male kiosks, like salespeople who are like literally their, their only purpose is to sell and they're on their phones. I'm like, like your whole, your entire job is to say hi to someone and try to get them to sell. Um, and for me, I'm just like, okay. Maybe that's a, an opportunity for me, you know, to do some training. But anyway, that's another business strategy. Um, right. But that's where you started your sales. And right. you want to, I want to move forward from there because obviously you kind of, I'm guessing you kind of start to get good at it and you start to learn the different tricks. You start to learn how to sell. Where did your sales journey, what was your next step in your sales journey? So a couple jobs later when I was uh, finishing my high school, I got a job at a department store called Woodward's. It was a Nordstrom style service with, basically cared everything that a Sears or a, a Macy's might carry. And um, I got a job with something called the Woodward's Teen Fashion Council, where we got great part-time jobs, paid about double minimum wage. But so by wow. this time I'm making five or $6 an hour <laughs> a couple of years later. And you had to volunteer to do some, fas some fashion shows and some community service, which was fine with me. And I managed to uh, get the job in the, in the watch and jewelry department. And I had a nice. tremendous manager. His name was Mr. Ball. And I worked for great ladies, uh, like uh, with, with great ladies, like uh, Marilyn Summerfield. And they taught me a lot about how to deal with customers. And I think that the greatest lesson I got from Mr. Ball was merchandising and making okay. sure things that were out on display. And I had, I had success there as well. You know, my second year, mm -hmm. back in the day when Seiko, a Seiko watch still sold for $300. And we had an event. So one day or two days a year, they would provide a discount on those watches. And I remember oh. on, a, on a Saturday, I sold 28 watches. They had to beg me to go for lunch because I didn't want to go for lunch. 28 watches. Yeah, I was having I was having too much fun. And so I just stood at the, at, at, at the main counter. And as people walk in, I took great care of them. I followed the instructions. And I remember the Seiko rep wanted to meet me because he did, had never met anybody that sold that many Seikos in a day. But um, I was just having fun. I, to me, it was like a sport. I was a student athlete. Mm -hmm. So the competitiveness and the having fun with oh. it and the, and the taking care of people was uh, just a great time and, and learning from people that were more experienced was such an important part of me getting to where I'm at is, and it's ironic that I'm in the training business that mm -hmm. I always took that training and listened and paid attention. And, um, yeah, if somebody had a, a tidbit that I remember even from relatives from long ago, that, uh, those little tidbits make a huge difference. They do. And, and that's another thing. And I feel like I, I feel like I'm walking on, I don't want to like bash my generation because that's not what I'm trying to do at all. I think, but I think there's a certain, that certain skill that we've, I, I've seen it being lost. And I know, cause I fall in the same thing all the time is someone who's older, like a couple, you know, a generation or two older than you go that, I mean, like you're not your your knowledge is not applicable anymore we're in a whole new state everything you know everything is digital um you don't understand computers and i see that a lot and that's personally why i'm so passionate about you know talking to college students um but i love that you know that mentality of listening and then paying attention and going okay i'm just gonna absorb i'm going to try right. and then i'm going to improve and i think so it's just and in, in communication doesn't matter what's digital with people. If you're in sales, I learned something from my great uncle, Bob, who passed yeah. away many years ago. And he was the founder of Tradewind Tours and was a partner in Outrigger Hotels in Hawaii. 
So he, he was in Hawaii when there was one hotel on Waikiki. Wow. And I remember him teaching me a lesson. I was about 13 years old about anticipating. And he says, if you're able okay. to anticipate with people, it's such an important skill in life. Now, that has nothing to do with digital communications or telephone or face-to-face. -face. Just the human skill of being able to think about somebody else and be able to mm -hmm. anticipate what they want down the road. It's such an important skill. And to that, being out of touch, you know, I've been uh, not arguing but disagreeing with people that, uh, somebody had been suggesting to me that I need to get in touch with the fact that artificial intelligence was going to replace salespeople. And, and, and yet to the surprise of a research on the automotive news, uh, there's a recent article that I've, I'm, I'm about to, to share with, with clients that explains that the dealership, the place to go visit, and the driving of the car are still two critical important components. And the irony in what you're saying about the young people, it's more important to millennials than any other age group. Yes. about meeting somebody to buy something that expensive, so oh, that yeah. important, and to be able to try it. But those two factors, at least in the research, indicated, mm -hmm. and it was to the surprise of the researchers that uh, that human inter interaction and that being able to try something are so important. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, because I've thought a lot about this, you know, just with talking, you know, with my peers, is that kind of what I've seen, and I, I mean, I value personal connection very much. I'm not an over, like, even like having this conversation over video, I'm, I want to be in the same room as you to, you know, be there. Um, yeah. But I definitely see that trend of having so much disconnect um, through our screen or through our ears, you know, podcast, um, is that actually being in person is so much more valuable. Um, it's become, it's not, is a commodity the correct word? It's become, it's become a valuable thing, um, a luxury to have face to face. Someone suggested to me in about 1988, 1999, that I was traveling almost a hundred days a year all over uh, the Americas, delivering seminars and doing consulting. And they said, Jim, it's going to be so great in a couple of years. Everybody will have video conferencing. This is, long <laughs> before, this is before Skype and, right. and, and Zoom that we're on today. But uh, long before all these, these tools came out, they said, you know, we'll have to get on a plane and we'll do all this uh, online. <laughs> well, that was, that was a great thought in theory, except for these devices have, have actually created more business for me to physically go there. Because there was so much lost in, 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 in yeah. not having physical contact. And although I could be successful in selling a bunch of uh, video training, you don't learn near as much. And I've seen several studies where face-to-face -face training, especially in teaching soft skills, way outperforms actual results than oh, yeah. anything online. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much. I mean, even just with body language, even if you're just sitting down, like I like doing podcast interviews standing up because it gives me more flexibility to be more expressive. Right. Um, and also, I, I like, you know, standing. It gives me an excuse to get a little bit of stand up and not just sit down all day. Um, but yeah, there's just so much body language and all of that that comes into play that you need to pay attention to. But I want right. to, I also, but I want to kind of delve back um, into your sales experience because I, I mean, I see you as a businessman, but I see you also as a terrific salesman as well. Um, is that through, you know, selling, you know, selling, you know, your first sales job, selling, you know, ski equipment and then going on to sell uh, luxury items um, during your beginning sales, before you really started your own businesses, became successful there. What can you give me um, a mistake that you learned that you're like, hey, yo, you don't need to make this mistake. Just learn from this, skip it. And then what's something that you really want um, that kind of a moment that stuck out to you where you went, oh, wow, I did. That's a really good piece of advice or that's something I should keep and keep doing. I think the, f the first lesson I learned in sales is to trust the numbers. So, okay. you know, when you when you uh, I, I moved from a, a retail hourly type of environment to a commission only. 
okay. when you're brand new and you're getting started out, it takes a while to get some wrap, wrapping up some success. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned the hard way because it changes your confidence is that getting in front of customers and, and or finding customers that once you're trained and skilled enough, when you're failing for a few days or a few weeks, if you've had success in the past, you're not any less successful. And so applying the same things that work that you know work, uh, even when it doesn't feel like it's working, it's just a law of numbers. So that the first lesson that I learned was somebody told me that, you know, seven out of 10 people walked in the door wanting to buy. And so lots of people okay. were, were, were spending too much time trying to filter out the 30 that weren't going to buy. But my attitude is if seven and 10 walked in to buy, I treated everybody like they were going to buy. And then I applied the best methods to those people to try and help them. And I think the most important lesson I learned up front to, 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 to summarize what we're talking about is if you focus on helping people rather than selling people, you're going to be way better off in terms of creating success. Yep. Because they that they can see that. And going back, I think that actually that neatly ties up our conversation earlier is that um, people are very good at reading other people. So like subconsciously or consciously is that that's a very good skill that most people are very good at. Right. Um, and so you can tell when you're trying to help them, when you care about them, and when you're trying to get some money out of them and trying to get the most money out of them. Um, that's why I don't like most salesmen because I know like you don't care about me. I'm I'm just another number to you. Um, you you honestly just you couldn't care if I was just replaced with someone else. Um, and the salesmen who do care about me, I just was talking with someone I think today or yesterday that genuinely just was talking to me and asking about me and and genuinely just trying to learn about who I was. And of course that serves for ammo in order to sell me better. Of course it does. Um, sure. But I felt, I felt like, Oh, I now have a relationship with this person and I can talk to them. Um, and I'm not on guard. And so it just, it's a great, it's a great feeling. It makes people feel good and they can tell that. Um, and I want to fast forward a little bit. So, you know, you did the grunt work, right? And the grunt mm-hmm. work is important. And I want to get to a moment that, I, I know I felt it was very weird when I first felt it. And a lot of people do want to feel is that moment where people look up to you and are waiting for you to give an answer to a question because they respect your opinion as an expert. And you realize in that moment, you go, oh, no, I'm, I'm the expert. Like there's no there's not another person in this room who's going to back me up and tell and tell them the right answer. I am the right answer. Well, I, uh, I or think, in a sense. I, no, but I think there's a dangerous for you. There's a there's a dangerous place in believing you're the expert. So I well, never believe I'm the expert. In fact, I always get nervous when people introduce me as the guru or the expert because that's assuming you know everything and all, and I and I, I never will. But um, yeah, more the, like the expert in the room, you know, like the yeah. So who has the, most knowledge the, in the, room. the the moment of how in the heck did I get here? I had, <laughs> I remember I was uh, 33 years old, and I was uh, delivering a training class in Argentina in Spanish, which is a mother language of mine, but not what I spoke most of my life growing up in Canada. And I had this aha moment where I had a room full of a dozen multimillionaires all with the rights to sell the Honda brand in their countries. And I was teaching them how to do the right way the sales process because I had had great success in winning a national reward and taking great care of customers uh, on the, the honest way, not begging for a score and manipulating a, a, a survey in any way. And you know, having serious conversations about the best practices on how to do that and them disagreeing with me and me having to help them understand as to what the best practices would work. And I had one of those moments that in mid-conversation while I'm delivering the presentation going, how in the heck did I get here? And how old are you at that point? I was 33 years old. 
33. And the owner of the the owner of our firm at the time was a little concerned that I was a little on the young side. But yeah. one of my first successes in terms of uh, getting the right job was I was made the sales manager of the 20th largest Honda dealership in the country in Canada. There's 300 in total, and at a very young age, and I wasn't the owner's son, which is usually how you get that job at that age. Right. And given lots of responsibility, which if you want to ask me about mistakes, that's where I, I learned a lot of mistakes about leadership because I didn't get any training on how to lead well, uh, and how to I manage. I mean, that's just – that's like, a, like what's one of them? What's one of those mistakes that sticks out to you? Oh, I tried to be – I can remember the first one that I, I was always embarrassed to use was I tried to use a parental method like you're going to do it because I told you to rather than getting oh. buy-in. Uh, raising my voice, did that no more than twice. You just learn what not to do. I worked the, the guy that I worked for was that way. He was a militant, big kind of in-your-face guy, yeah. brilliant guy. But that was his style from a different generation. Mm -hmm. And I learned that in our generation we can't do that. At least yeah. people won't won't want to work for you that way. Right. And so I had to go back and apologize for my methods. My intention wasn't incorrect, but my methods needed some work. Yeah. And so because I was embarrassed based on my reaction. And so you learn how to enroll people into being more successful rather than you know, bully it into them. And that was a big part of uh, my success in coaching people and changing the environment in that dealership where we won the uh, national award. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as selling people. And in a way, when you have employees or you're in charge of people, you are selling them just on an, on an idea or a structure or an instruction or something like that. Um, and I found that I, I use a lot of the same skills I've learned in selling and public speaking when right. it comes to giving direction. You know, you give something clear, um, firm, but also you're welcoming ideas. I mean, I just I was helping someone move the other day and I was just like, OK, you do this. We'll move this here. Someone will mention something like that's a good idea. Let's change that. Um, and I realized, oh, I've, I've used all of these skills for five years. And it's great because they come in handy in personal situations as well. Right. And one of the keys you have to have if you want to have a great group of salespeople, a great group of uh, you have great sales results, you want a great customer satisfaction that starts with the people that work you work with, not with the customer. Yes. So I have uh, had people, well, lots of clients try and manipulate the score, whether it's the sales score or the customer satisfaction score uh, by bu by bullying them into yeah. wanting to change it. And only can you influence them by you bullying them, they'll find methods in which to manipulate the score, manipulate the result, but yeah. not actually getting to where you want to go. If you, I always have to, so going back to, you know, how do I take care of customers? When people ask me for sales training or they tell me they want to do a better job of getting, they want to do a marketing strategy or they want to improve their customer satisfaction results, I always start out the conversation, well, tell me why you want to do that. Why is that important? Because what I find is people yeah. talk about wanting to do stuff, but their, their real willingness is a key. So over the years, I've probably turned down half a dozen clients, big, I'm talking about big clients, where I said, you know what, I'm not the answer because I don't just want to deliver training or I just want to help them with changing their culture or improving their leadership skills. If they're not willing or if I don't think, I, I don't believe or I know, I can't get them results. And it's just better to walk, in my business, my reputation is word of mouth and doing great work. It's just better to walk away. Yeah, because you're not going to really, help which, them. Which, and which usually, which, it usually upsets them because they're like, well, why, why aren't you going to help me? And I'm going, well, because I don't believe you're going to change, so why would I take your money? I can't help. And no, and then, they, and then they want to argue with you that, yes, yes, they're going to change because <laughs> they can't understand why somebody that's supposed to be selling them sales training, for example, right. doesn't want to help them. I said, well, you know, yep. you're, you're, I'm just not your guy.
Right. I remember the first, I remember the first salesman who told me like, no, like, like we can't like, no, I'm not going to sell you this. And I was just like, and that that moment, like it changed me like, Oh, I get it. Like I understand a little bit more about what sales is. And this was a while ago um, for, I don't even remember what it was, but I remember that moment very clearly Um, because yeah, if you're not going to help them, and then it just ends up being worse because then maybe you'll get a bad reputation for not doing good and then you'll get the wrong type of clients and it just ends in a rabbit hole again right chasing chase and of course you know not to some people need the paycheck and what that's a completely different situation right. um but yeah if you're trying to build a legit business then you need to know who your client is and if you can't help them, like sorry you're not my client um i'm not a roofer i'm not gonna if someone tries to pay me you know five thousand dollars to roof their house i'm gonna go no <laughs> i don't even know how much roofers charge um but that's what but... so, so the, the, the example I was thinking was my, my dear friend Jeff Shea, who owns a local real estate company. He said, I found the house for you, but I, I'm not going to sell it to you. And I go, What do you mean? He says, well, Let's go look at the house and I'll explain why. Look at the house. The house was perfect. It was the first house we were looking for in San Diego. He says, But you can't buy this house. I'm like, Why? He says, It's in a bad location. It backed onto the wrong street. He says, You're not going to own this house forever. And when you want to sell it, it's going to be really hard to sell because it backs onto a busy street. So you're better off not buying this one. And I'm going, but I want this house. He says, yeah, but I'm not going to just sell you this house. And, and he didn't sell another house for me for 13 years. Oh, but wow. he's built this loyalty because he won't sell you a bad house. Right. Yep. And now and, you trust him. And when the recession hit, none of his clients lost their homes. Wow. Not a one. And he had sold thousands of homes by that point in time. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, and that, that's a testament, right? Time. I mean, it's time, right? Time, time wears away all. Well, that's 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 where you're genuinely helping out your 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 clients, your customers, mm-hmm. do the right thing. So yeah, because hopefully you know you'll be in the business for a while. I mean, and look at you, you know, you know, start, you know, that, that, and I love that moment. You know, you're 33 years old, um, and you're just in a room full of you know very <clears throat> influential people, um, right. people who who. You know they've been in, they've been in business. It's probably a family business, so the family's been in business for a while. Um, and you're there telling them, you know, no, 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 this is what you need to do, or this is how you need to approach this. Well, and I love that cause, vision because you can't you can't take them away from their success. You have to respect they've gotten to where they've gotten uh, exactly. based on their success. But you know, as you said, in this digital world, older people don't know what's going on. Well, that's not necessarily true because young people don't know what's going on in the digital world as well. Those young <laughs> oh, people who true, are yeah. those young people who have taken the time to get interested in the digital world have done so and can mm-hmm. do something, but so have the older people. And so I don't necessarily, there's probably more young, and I think the argument is there's more young people that are digitally aware than older people. But, you know, I, I listen to people tell me stories about how to manage a digital marketing strategy. And I'm going, oh, you got to be kidding. You, you guys really don't know what you're talking about. But yep. there's an assumption that because they have a, a adeptness to doing it. Yeah. And so that relates back yeah. to people who've been, they've been doing business in a country for 20 years. Jim, we're not going to change because we've been doing it this way for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and in my case, because it was an automobile business, and I still get people that tell me that. I say, well, 20 years ago, you probably sold a car with a cassette player <laughs> and um, and airbags were an option or there was one airbag in the car. Yep. Why don't we go back to selling those cars? Although we could never sell those cars because things have changed. <laughs> <laughs> There's my point, right? Yeah, exactly. It does. And what I found, just like I want to kind of like to wrap up that, that conversation um, is that a lot of people who grew up with the digital age seem to have a very good social 
um, awareness when it comes to digital marketing. Whereas people who actually know marketing, have been in marketing, you know, for decades, know the more of the business side of marketing, the numbers side. And I think when those two combine, we have the social awareness to not say something that doesn't make sense, like on a specific platform, and right. also the research to back up that decision to say that thing. I think that's where the perfect marriage is met. It's interesting that you say so they have good social awareness, but those that spend all their time on devices are not very good at socializing. Face in face. person. Yeah, yeah that, no, that, they're lost in a conversation. Yep, and it, and it actually, is something that's a, that's a challenge. And you've made the perfect segue for me because uh, right now, uh, with the remaining time we have left, uh, you know, fifteen twenty minutes or so, I want to have a little bit of a mini um, sales training. And okay. so this is what's gonna happen. Um, I kind of want you to guide me through a conversation, um, and I'm gonna and I have you know specific questions here for you. Um, but to kind of set the scene, you know, you're sitting down with someone because I've seen you do this and I've watched you do this and I'm always very impressed. Um, and one thing that I am honestly very selfish of me, um, I say this a lot with my guests, is like this is very selfish of me because I want to know, um, is that I see you sit down with someone and you have the conversation. The conversation you have, a, you, it seems to me almost like a magic insight into them, into what they're what they're going through, and what and what direction you know to push them in, and I'm sure in your mind it's all you know like you know what you're doing, right. and I kind of I, first thing I want to delve into is how you understand someone's pain points, where they're suffering from, where pain is coming from, and their goals, right? Like how and then from there, what questions do you ask to kind of lead them down that path to learn more and to move them towards your call to action? So the, the questions come down to, so once they get to know you and they feel reasonably comfortable with you, I ask lots of questions and I take lots of notes. So one of the things yes. I always ask people for is permission to take notes. It lets them know that I'm paying attention to what they're saying. And especially now that I'm doing it on a laptop because I want to store it all rather than mm -hmm. on a piece of paper. Right. They know that I'm not searching the web while I'm talking to them. But I think the most important thing to do on, when you're asking questions about them is one, listen listen to what they're actually saying, listen to everything they're saying. And if you don't have a complete understanding, make no assumptions. So don't be able to, don't be afraid yes. to ask a second, a secondary question to make sure you get clarification. The yes. simple, the simple example I, I teach is uh, when people say, you know, I want a, I want a bigger house or I want a bigger car. Well, what does bigger mean? I mean, <laughs> what's your current situation? When I think bigger house, um, that's a big house compared to what I have today. Right. A bigger car. I've watched salespeople make the mistake, you know, they immediately take the customer to a giant SUV or a big sedan. Yeah. And if the customer's already driving us, one of those uh, super subcompacts, like a lot of the third, third world does with less than a yeah. thousand cc's, they're just looking to get, to them a big car is a Civic, and to other people a big car is a Cadillac. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's where are you? And uh, getting clarity is, well, when you say you want something bigger, tell me what you're, how you're gonna use it. Right. And that gives you a complete picture as to what, what people tell me all the time in business, Jim, I want to take my sales to the next level. Because what is what is the next level? Every I built up, yeah. I've, I've scared guys by telling them well, we can increase business by 100% in 12 months if you do all this. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa! I don't want to sell 100%. You said the next level. So what I learned very quickly was let's find out what the next level means to them. Because I just sat down with a, a couple of clients and. One, one of the partners is happy where it is, and the next partner says, oh, we ain't growing, we're dying. And so they need to find that happy medium in their strategy as to how do they, how do they make that happen.
Mm-hmm. So getting clarity when you're asking questions is really important. And some people say, what are the first 10 questions I should ask? You should ask questions in general areas. Okay. So you want to get to know them a little bit. If they'll, if they'll allow it, you need to get to know their personality, which will then tell you about whether they'll let you get there or not, depending on who they are. You mm-hmm. also need to let them ask questions so they can engage. Yes. And, then, and then know what kind of responses they get. So you ask me great big open questions because that's in your personality set and that's why you're good at doing this podcasting. But there are, there are customers that will ask you very specific questions and they only want the, specific, the specificity of the answer. Don't give me a long story. You know, just, is it A or B? It's B. But I have salespeople ask me, I give them a yes or no question and they give me a long answer. I just want to know yes or no. Yes. And I, I admit, I'm guilty of this. I'm so Correct. guilty of this. And it's been, you know, in my mind, because I'm, I'm a bit of a talker. Uh, right. But like everything, you're talking all these things. I'm like, yep, had to learn that. Oh, still working on that. Um, but yeah. So the, most, the- so the most important thing you do is you win them over, get mm-hmm. to know them and ask questions, but really listen to their answers and make sure you understand. You can't, you can't help somebody unless you really care enough about what their current situation is. Exactly, so, right. and I and I love that, and I'm so glad you said that. Um, put words to you know to to that because people say people want the let's say they have their pain point right. They want right. to get away from their pain point, but away. What does that away mean? Because um, people like are different. I'm not, I'm uh, in business. Let's say they might be doing okay, and they just want to become more stable, or they might be doing really badly, and they just want to become okay. And so the clarification for me is so important because otherwise you're, you're selling them a completely wrong thing. You're selling them a hairdryer when they want a curler um, right. to fix their hair. And, and I love that specific, specificity and, and, need, and asking further need, questions. You also need to learn what they do. Are they willing to do what it takes? You know, I would mm-hmm. like to have a Ferrari and I could have probably found some ways to pull that off, but it wasn't in my priority list to make that kind of money to have a Ferrari. I spent the money on other things. So you, know, you could you could yeah. live in a small apartment, make a reasonable wage or much better than average wage and drive a Ferrari if that was the most important thing. But there are other priorities to use an extreme yeah. example. And people just make choices. And exactly. then are they willing to make the, the, the choices to get to what they're talking about? So I also do some digging, especially in doing business consulting, mm-hmm. is it whether they, they actually want to go there? How, how, how big is that exactly. in within maybe even their dream, right? And and I want to kind of I want to I want to delve into that a little bit because that's a very um, interesting question, um, especially amongst modern entrepreneurs. Is questioning the question of, do I have what it takes? Um, should I be doing this? And when someone, let's say you're having a conversation with someone, you're you know they're analyzing their pains and their goals, and if you kind of come to that point where you think to yourself, I don't think they have what it takes to actually get what they want. What's your next step in that regard? Like. <laughs> So you can't you you can't teach the character step of, of burning desire. The Spanish word I love to use is the word ganas, yes. and so that's something that uh, you can try and influence people on their dreams and wanting success. But you know, one of my biggest success stories with a, was a young guy uh, in what we would refer to as the second world, and it, a place where he's not supposed to start from zero and create great success, and he he has from very very humble beginnings. He's a good friend of mine, Claudio Downs. And um, he just went after it. And everything I told him to do, he did that and then some. He became a fanatic of everything that I teach. And as a result, duplicated his sales, now owns his own business, has properties, uh, married, has a family. And, you know, he's still making mistakes, but just became obsessed about doing whatever I told him to do 
to generate success in his sales. And I sat down with him and offered to help him for free in the beginning because I just saw that spark in his eye. And when I see that spark in your eye and you're willing to do what it takes, then it's just, it's just fun to help. And like I said, I did that one in the beginning for free um, just because he wasn't going to be able to afford to pay me at the start. And when he, when he started his own business, he paid me because he wanted my help <laughs> and he, and he respected that. But, you know, um, you know, finding that, that burning desire, not everybody's willing to do whatever it takes. You know, I, I've, I've spent a hundred days, over a hundred days away from home for the last 20 years. I've been to places where they pick me up in, in armed, armored cars with armored security. I've, I speak in front of groups of people, top two fears. I get on planes, top two fears. And people goes, well, how did you get there? Well, you got to be willing to do what other people are not willing to do. When people talk about the, mm-hmm. my, my son was watching something on television about, you know, the wealthy don't work. Well, I, most of my friends that would be classified at least numerically under the wealthy category right. are working way more than 60, 70 hours a week, oh, yeah. taking big risks. And that, that's part of it. And, and it's not made for everybody. And money is not exactly. the answer to everything. It just helps solve some things. It doesn't something. solve doesn't solve everything right. and it doesn't it isn't the answer for everybody. Exactly. So the pe- people can work hard for other reasons. I remind entrepreneurs all the time when I do strategy sessions that we get up or don't sleep all night to do crazy stuff that nobody else would be willing to do. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, met, and- I, met, I met the guy who made wire. He was the last guy that made wire hangers, apparently, <laughs> for, for dry cleaners <laughs> in the U.S. I mean, who, wow. who does that? Him, you know, <laughs> apparently. I, I, I know a guy who, who managed a business. They made the honeycombs that go inside the jet engines. I don't think about that when I get on the plane. Wow. So Very, yeah. there's all, all, all kinds of business out there that do unique things that you take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who does very well, and he, he services 500 pools a month. So he was a pool guy with yeah. a truck who today services 500 pools a month, and he has a water expert on staff, and he charges a little bit more, but he's exceptional. Right. And, um, you know, who wants to run a bunch of guys driving around in trucks, and his guys are great, and they love him, and they do a great job. But not everybody's made out to do that. Exactly. And that's why, you know, exploring, I mean, on on this podcast, in the, you know, the hundred some episodes that I've recorded, one recurring theme is try something. And recently, a recent guest that I've had said, you know, don't try something, try something twice, just just in case, just in case you got a bad experience the first time. Um, But so you have, right, I love that phrase is you can't teach burning uh, desire. No. Um, because someone's desire, they passion about something. You just can't teach someone to be passionate about, you know, water bottles. Because I'm not. Well, I couldn't and, care less. And, and and look, understand something. You can be passionate about something and want to do it, but are you willing to pay the price to get there? True. Very. So I, I I crossed the 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 border 23 years ago with my wife, and we were excited to have zero in our pocket, and a, and a truck full of furniture, and I had a contract for six months. And we rented an apartment here in San Diego when, when the market was depressed. Mm-hmm. So this is this is a uh, spring of 1996, and so that's that's how we got started. We had educations, and we had paid off all of our debts, so we were excited to be there, mm-hmm. and it's worked out really well. But I can tell you that there's been lots of day, lots of long days. There's oh, been yeah. a day in the hospital because I pushed my body too hard. Mm-hmm. I uh, have not always taken great care of myself physically, but I'm loving every moment all the way. And never complaining. It's not always me. I've had big ups and big downs in business, as you and I have talked about. Oh yes. And and so that's all part of it. It's not nice and steady, Eddie. Nobody guarantees you anything. In some months, you make negative. Yep. So I have made negative lots of months. 
Mm-hmm. But fortunately, my positives outweigh my negatives, at least. And, and that's the financial measurement. But I have you know, been in front of 20,000 salespeople. And the only way I got in front of 20,000 salespeople by not let, having them come to San Diego, I had to go to them. And, so, and I had to learn another language along the way. So lots of things <laughs> that, that people aren't willing to do that I just think, I thought what I did was normal. It took, my business, my business partner finally convinced me I was pretty good at what I did 10 years later. I would finally admit that I was good at what I did 10 years after I started. I thought I was struggling the whole time. Wow. Hey, hey, hey but now you're here. Um, and to wrap, so um, a final question for that, for that strategy, then I want to move on to more recent times. Okay. Um, is that, so you can't, you're right. You couldn't teach them. You, you know, you have that, you have a situation. Um, you realize someone, it doesn't have really what it takes for this specific thing they're asking for. In my mind, there's kind of, around two options on that is you kind of as you lead try to lead them towards and try to discover what they are willing to sacrifice for and what they are willing to have that passionate desire for um or i say sorry i tried and i can't help you like where are those are two extremes where what usually what usually the route is where does your mind go first when you're in that situation i have to get to know the the the, the salesperson or the individual they want to create more success i have business owners all the time um, a, a recent client that he wants everybody to sell 14 and he built everything around everybody selling 14 or more. 14 they or don't, more. Uh, what's that? 14 or more what? Cause the, the, the 14, number, they want, he wants, they sell, they sell used cars in, in Got Canada. It, okay. Yeah. I like want a recent client. So 14, 14, 14 is different from some, some salespeople will never get to 14. Mm-hmm. Some people will do a phenomenal job and get to 10, but it troubles him that they don't want to get to 14. And hmm. And that's just where it is. So he struggles with the guy that does a great job, talks to fewer customers, takes great care of the 10 customers he deals with, but doesn't get to 14. Now, I can push and motivate, but to get back to your question, I have to know what's going on in that person's life. And I have to make it important about something. So I, I coach a few of the individuals in that organization. And one specifically, I talked about his family. Okay. I talked about his kids, his wife's expecting. And so how, and then you, his whole body language changes when we have that conversation and that it's, it's about something that's much more important than the 14. In fact, his number is 20 to be able to achieve the things that he desperately wants to achieve, own some more property, set himself up for retirement and be able to pay all the bills that he wants to be able to pay for his family. So even your body language changed when I said to you, it's about his family because my success was like my, my, Biggest and greatest thing I was able to pull off in creating financial success wasn't about a car or a house. It was about getting my kids into private education and be able to pull that off. That was a dream the first time I volunteered taught at a, a junior achievement project in Vancouver at the boys' school. And you know, getting my kids through K through eight in private education was a huge deal to me. Having a nice home and a safe place and a nice car is good, uh, but it wasn't as important as that specific item. And then you just pare it down from, and that's my priorities. That's what works for me. And that's what drives me. Yeah. If somebody was trying to push, push me as a business owner or as a salesman, they would have to get to know me at that level. And, I, I, and I, it's like, yeah. and it's like a great coach in a football team, great coaches in a football team. I never played yes. football, but they've told me they know what's going on in their players' lives. It if you want to help so with, much. you want to help with business owners or salespeople, mm-hmm. you got to know what's going on in their, in their lives. In fact, several of my clients, I have given marriage books to. Because wow. they shared that stuff with me. Wow. And in one client, I've gotten a thank you from a wife. So, wow. um, you, you know, if you want to improve people's lives, you got to know about their lives because money's just the measurement.
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Does that ask the question for you? It does. And, and, so, and by just the way, a, some people are going to dream are never going to dream big enough to get to that fourteen. Right. And maybe they should. Yeah. Maybe they shouldn't work there, or maybe you, you need to accept it. It is what it is. Exactly. It all depends on what you want. Um, right. And I think that's a great, you know, lesson for you know, because I'm I'm picturing someone listening, because um, I know many of the people who listen are, are around my age, you know, on the younger side. Um, I know some people are a little bit older, and that's great. We love it. Um, but I know a lot of them are. Personally, I've talked to a lot of people who go, I don't know if I want this. I kind of want this because it's like, I guess it's a thing that I can do. Um, but I'm not, I, I'm like, okay, are you working on it? Are you doing stuff? Like, no, not really. I'm like, well, like, wh what's going on? And then that's, you know, that question of, oh, maybe there's something in your personal life that's going wrong, or maybe this is the wrong thing. Like, I love that. And for someone just internally, is kind of have that same, um, you know, comprehension, or maybe talk to a friend about it is having that look and going, okay, why is this happening? And not the whole blaming yourself first, because that's not helpful for anybody. There's there's a difference between, I'd like to have a pair of blue shoes and I need a pair of blue shoes. Exactly, and want so versus need. To, and so um, what are you willing to sacrifice? Mm -hmm. If you want something bad enough, it's gonna, bad enough, it's gonna require a sacrifice. Nothing that, yep. that creates great success, uh, you know, it, nothing comes easy. T today, uh, our local school district is having a national walkout for, for uh, the uh, climate change. They're protesting mm -hmm. climate change, and our question, our discussion with uh, some 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 dads this morning was, what are their demands and what are they willing to do? Now we don't know, yeah. because that isn't clear. And that's just an example. Is so anything that you want in life, travel, um, home, place to live, um, mm -hmm. and maybe it is serving a charity and not making any money like the priests do at at my right. church. Their passion is directed at creating success at, at some level. And so what are you willing to do and how passionate are you really about it? Because it does require sacrifice. It does. Yep. I mean, everything. We make any, any kind of creation, um, even just cooking. I love cooking, and that takes a sort of amount of time, and I'm willing to right. do it because I love it a lot. So I want to thank you um, so much. I mean, I know because we've had a lot of conversations. I know we could talk for hours upon hours, and I'll, I'll probably have you back you know, some other time. Um, but I kind of want to go to present day. Um, and I'm so, you know, glad to have met you and got involved in um, the new company, So Jedi. And I kind of, and this was just an, an like an answer to so many. I don't know if I actually like told you this, but I was just having so many questions about what like on earth I'm doing because um, I had a marketing firm and then I didn't. And then I was doing it by myself. And I'm like, I don't want to do this, but I can't give it up because that's my income. Like, do I need to get a job? Like I was like, I was just having all of this, like not so much of a crisis, but more of like a real wondering about what am I doing with my life? Um, right. And then this opportunity came where you say, look, without contractors, all you do, do your thing. And then you don't, and then you could just do your thing and then we'll take care of the rest of that. Right. Um, and that was such like that moment where I realized, oh, this is what it meant. It took me a while to process, but I realized, oh, this is what my life could look like. I realized it was like such an answer um, to so many things I was wondering about. And that's why, cause people ask me like, why did you do that? I'm like, cause it, it was great. It was such, it was such a great thing. And I'm so happy, you know, to start this in, in the middle of course of moving and all of this stuff, of course, this is happening. Right. Um, but I'm really looking forward to getting settled and getting started. And look, it's going to work for you because you genuinely want to help people. I do. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what it comes down to. So we, we built the, the whole set of Jedi businesses about helping business owners mm -hmm. on the tasks that they shouldn't be doing to buy them time. When exactly. they buy them time, they can spend more time with what they're really good at. And in our case, most of it's around marketing tools mm -hmm. uh, and marketing support and, and a number of other office tasks 
that uh, providing those SoGI services lets you do what you're really good at, which is not necessarily marketing, which I know you're really good at because you've, you've felt these it's, skills in the podcast, an important thing, but more importantly, because you want to help. Mm-hmm. And that'll yep. just make it easy for you to go out there and, and help people. Yeah. It's funny thing is I've learned my, my primary love language that I show is uh, acts of service. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting thing. I realized, you know, just through, especially the last week I was, you know, helping someone, there's a bunch of stuff going wrong. And they're like, oh, you know, can I like get you this for help? I'm like, oh, I, I, I felt really happy. Like right. you, you gave me, so I feel like you gave me something. And right. I realized, oh, I need to play into that strength. Um, and I need to, you know, push that forward. And so, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm along, you know, in this journey of learning and following all of these steps and figuring it out as well. Um, but I do want to thank you. I want to respect your time. Um, no problem. Just thank you so much for being on here and sharing your wisdom and your stories. Um, you can find all the show notes, links um, to everything. And we'll, we'll get into that in just a sec. Um, but we talked about at cwcpodcast.com. Um, at cwcpodcast.com. Um, if you're here in the future, you just hit the little search bar, type in Jim Hernandez, and he'll pop up and his episode will pop up. Um, but I want you to leave us with how you want people to find you and reach out to you. And then just a parting, a parting piece of advice. I know we've had a lot, but just a parting, you know, sentence or two that you want to just end this podcast with. Well, it's a big question. You didn't it give is. me that question up front. Um, I'd like it to be more, more raw and honest. I think, I think we're going to talk about selling the most important thing is they listen with care. Mm-hmm. And that if whatever they're chasing, that they take a step back and really think about how important that really is to their lives. Because people kind of fiddle and faddle and go, well, I'd, I'd like to try this. And I'd like to try that. And it's great to try some stuff. But you know, take a, taking a step back in business and building a strategy or taking a step back as an individual and thinking about what you care most about or what you want to do will help point you in the right direction. Quite often we forge ahead without thinking about it. And then all of a sudden we wake up one day and go, I don't really want to be here. And it's not a fun place to find out. So I got to here because I, I took a step back before I started this part of my career in consulting and training and sales. And it's because I absolutely love it. And I look forward to helping people. And along the way, I've been, I've been blessed and honored to help people change their lives. They invite me to show off the things that they've made a difference, whether it's their families, their homes, their cars, the pictures of their vacations. Jim, you help me pay for this. I never give them any money. I just show them how to get there. And so if you take the time to think about how you want to get there, uh, it's a great thing. Take a, take, take a step back and then build a strategy around it and think about how you're going to get there and ask for some help and listen to people who have already been there. My greatest success in life has been listening to people who have already done the job. Yes. Love it beautiful concise version of everything we've talked about and then finally how do you want people to find you oh you can find me on linkedin at jaime jim hernandez jaime spelled j-a-i-m-e and on my websites i am the president of two companies one strategic business communications incorporated or sbcinc.info or on the site that luke and i work together on on sojedi.com yes love it and of course the links will be in there cwcpodcast.com connect with jim send him a message you know i mean it's 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 something that you have this opportunity take it right taking getting something that you want um again thank you so much for being on here do what you love everybody and remember to always stay on the positive side of things yeah all right thank you that was that was